Should we kick it off while you still have uh, some bandwidth? Yeah, yeah, it just opened. Yeah, it took a while. All right. Well, if we lose you, we'll improvise. <coughs> we'll, we'll just keep we'll keep the crowd amused while you uh, get back on. Well, shall we uh, intro this thing? Yeah. Cool. Hey, listeners, you're listening to another exciting episode of Chewing the Scenery Horror Movie Podcast. We are a podcast casting from beyond the the viral uh, pandemic um, this apocalypse will not stop us we're recording uh, we're going to talk about a horror movie or more more than one and we're going to spoil that movie and try not to spoil recently watched uh, thank you to the moon rays for giving us that song intro creature features at the top of the show um, as long as the internet still exists, you can get their music on Apple Music or on Amazon, where you could buy it digitally. And say hello to them on Facebook if that still exists. Um, well, we're more than six feet apart, guys. And um, we're here to talk about some movies. Yeah. So, uh, <coughs> Jolien, do you want to kick off Recently Watched? Uh, yeah, Emily's just putting gadgets in my face oh good are they helping your situation um no she's taking them off again oh okay gadget on or gadget off but uh yeah it was, it was some kind of spotlight oh, oh i see but, uh, yeah she's she's provided us with this uh this zoom thing yes yeah so uh that, we're very ha- happy about that yeah, it's it's um, my understanding is you're not allowed multiple uh, callers on FaceTime, so this is really good. Yeah, yeah, because you can have up to a hundred people on this. <laughs> like all of our listeners well, and their immediate. There's more people on here. All of our listeners and their immediate families. Yeah, <laughs> and extended families. <laughs> So, Jolien, what do you what we do you do that? Yeah, it's a, there's a, a bit of a weird delay sometimes, but other than that, it's cool. So, what have you watched, Jolien? Uh, let's see. Um, I watched. Uh, well, last night we watched uh, Cruise into Terror, 1978. <laughs> Is it on a cruise ship? It's. Uh, mm, I wouldn't say it's that grand. It's. Uh, it's another TV movie. Um, uh huh. This is from 1978. Uh, There is a cruise ship in it off screen, but they uh, they explain that um, it's been overbooked or something. So, like, just eight, like, just a a few people get stuck on this thing, which is about the size of a ferry, and uh, (laughs) set set sail from uh, uh, Florida for uh, 
Mexico. Okay. And um, yeah, it, it's got uh, Dirk Benedict, Ray Milland, John Forsyth, Marshall Thompson, Christopher wow. and, and Linda Day George, Stella Stevens. Um, it's pretty dull mostly. Um, by, the, by the time the first victim dies, uh, we couldn't figure out who it was. Because <laughs> the characters just don't register that well. So like, huh? Who's Nathan? Who's that guy? The guy yeah, from Battlestar uh, Galactica. I, I looked it up at the end, and it turns out it was the black guy. Oh, of course, who was who was briefly seen carrying the luggage for one of the rich white women at the start. Oh. Um, but anyway, uh, so the the plot is that uh, during their voyage, they. Um, they stop off uh, like the uh, the ship mysteriously breaks down, and uh, everyone decides they'll we'll go scuba diving because um, Raymond Land is this Egyptologist who reckons that the uh, Egyptians buried one of their pharaohs in, in the Caribbean. Ah, uh, yeah. Um, uh, <laughs> so uh, they they find this sarcophagus, and uh, this turns out to be like a pint-sized sarcophagus. <laughs> I think he was made by the guys who did the Stonehenge for Spinal Tap. <laughs> yeah. Oh, okay. Um, uh, so anyway, it's this, it's like this child-sized sarcophagus, and they bring it on board, and then uh, and then uh, you know more um, pe- people start getting angry with each other, and um, yeah, uh, not there's not a lot of action in it. It's mostly talking, and uh, yeah, it's not very well done. I don't think. It's not in the not in the same league as horror at thirty seven thousand feet. No, but uh, um, yeah, it takes too long to get going. So uh, I, yeah, not really recommending that one. All right. Uh, uh, I saw a really good western called Winchester seventy three. Have you seen that one? No, no. That's uh, Jimmy first, Stewart, right? Yeah, Jimmy Stewart, uh, first of his westerns with Anthony Mann uh, from nineteen fifty. You know, when James Stewart came back from the war and he had that, <laughs> he was a different person. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, so there's him and uh, Shirley Winters, uh, Stephen McNally, Dan Duryea, uh, Charles Drake, uh, very young Tony Curtis and James Best as cavalry officers. Um, Will Gear as Dwight Earp. Uh, Rock Hudson as a Sioux chief. <laughs> what? <laughs> that's, that's, that, that's really horrible, yeah. That, that's like a... a uh, that's a bit of a uh, downer, I think. But um, anyway, the main main plot is Stuart's after um, uh, the uh, Stephen McNally character, and uh, but then there's this uh, Winchester seventy three, which is one of the perfect rifles they made, and uh, so um, that that gets passed to various characters, and uh, eventually ends up in the hands of the uh, the main villain. Um, but uh, yeah, so there's several things going on at the same time. Um, but it's uh, it's really really nicely shot. Um, uh, yeah, I thought that was a really good one. Was it a John and, Ford uh, movie? No, no, Anthony oh, Mann. Man. Oh, okay. I, I know you you said earlier and it didn't register. Yeah, if you were, any of his film noir or um, westerns are really good. Yeah. Um, and then the other one <coughs> I saw was uh, oh, we, we're about halfway through watching the Japanese Spider Man show uh, <laughs> enjoying that one um <laughs> really uh um really hair-raising stunts in that like uh, um, and uh i also watched a, a giallo uh called uh, plot of fear 
Hmm. I've never heard of that. Yeah, it's called Etante uh, Para in uh, Italian, which is uh, uh, And More Fear or something like that. Hmm. Uh, this, is, this is directed by Paro Cavara. Uh, stars are Karine Clary. Uh, she was she was one of the women in uh, Moonraker, I think. Uh, hmm. uh, Michele Placido as the cop. Uh, Eli Wallach's in it. Uh, Tom Skerritt's in it. Wow. Um, anyway, so this, this one's... Uh, People are being killed off in various ways, and the killer leaves a cutting, uh, and it's uh, they're all illustrations from this book called uh, "Shock Headed Peter." Have you heard of that? No. Um, it's like these, like I think they were German, uh, like uh, stories where children will do various naughty things, and then something really horrible happens to them. Oh, like, okay. Like a boy's biting his nails and this madman runs in with a pair of shears and cuts off his fingers. Oh, yeah. yeah. Uh, that sort of thing, yeah. Making, uh, the puni- plays- making the punishment fit the crime. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. Uh, like a girl plays with matches and gets burned alive. Oh, sure. Yeah. Um, so the uh, I, I had this book when I was a kid and it was called uh, Strudel Peter, uh, which means, you know, it's, it's the, which is shock-headed Peter. Um, anyway, um, so the killer's leaving these illustrations at the site of the uh, killings, which he does in an appropriate way. And uh, and then the cop is uh, unusually for these things. He's quite likable and funny and uh, smart so <laughs> and honest. So <laughs> it's quite unusual for uh, uh, one of these. Um, but uh, yeah, it's, it's got a kind of satisfying twist to it. Um, there's a the killings are pretty brutal. Um, there's a slaughterhouse scene which uh, I I had to look away from. Um, there's a scene about halfway through where uh, there's an orgy. These rich people are having an orgy, mm. and uh, part of it is they they watch a cartoon. It's just like Italian pornographic cartoon. <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking but, it would be uh, great if it was like Betty Boop. <laughs> no, no, no. no. Um, it's a bit more bizarre, um, but anyway, uh, yeah, I thought that one was pretty good. Okay. All right, so check it out. It's on uh, Amazon. Okay, cool. Yeah, and it's free. Yes. Yeah. Well, included. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Nothing's free, but right. But yeah. Anyway, uh, that's what I saw. Well, that sounds like uh, <coughs> like time well spent. What about you, Will? Ah, uh, well, we've. Uh... We watched. We watched uh, a couple more episodes of Dave. Um, watched some episodes of Baskets. You know if you've ever checked out that show. No. Uh, it's pretty. It's a comedy about Zach Galifianakis as a clown called Chip Baskets. Oh yeah, you He's talked about that. French I think. clown. Yeah, that's pretty good. Uh, Louis Anderson's what sells the show. Yeah. Uh, <clears throat> you know. He's great as, as Chip's mom. Um, then we watch uh, The Color Out of Space mm. with Nicolas Cage. Yeah. Uh, he does some great caging. Uh, <laughs> uh, pretty good. Um, some good shots. I enjoyed it. Uh, perhaps a little generic with the characters. They could have been a little more fleshed out. Uh there's some llama scenes in it, or yeah, llamas, no, alpacas, 
that I think maybe Nicolas Cage raises alpacas in real life and just got them to put them in the movie. <laughs> but uh, it, it was worth it. I mean, it's a it's a solid B film. Uh, nice to see Richard Stanley getting another movie out. Uh, oh, wow. It's a Richard Stanley. It, but, yeah, from uh, Dr. Moreau. Yeah. Fame. Yeah. yeah. He didn't have to hide this one, I guess, as a... He didn't have to, to make alien or something. He didn't have to make a dog suit and hide in the bushes. No, <laughs> he wears the dog suit now while while directing. <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, Just the top half uh, of the dog suit. <laughs> yeah, no pants. <laughs> uh, then we watched uh, Day of the Triffids for the podcast. Mm-hmm. Hadn't seen that in a while. Um. And we watched one last night called Magic Magic, which uh, was a Chilean film. Well, it was filmed in Chile. Uh, it, it was by the same people who did uh, Crystal Fairy and the Magical Cactus. I guess they did that. <laughs> I mentioned it on the, on the show probably a couple of years ago. Okay. Uh, I guess while waiting for funding for this movie magic magic they film crystal fairy and the magical cactus uh it's pretty good you know strange film very strange um i think it could be a kind of companion piece for midsummer although there's no cults or anything in it um basically a group of people go to chile uh one girl's never been out of the out of the states um, she gets there to visit her cousin and her cousin's friends and her cousin immediately says, Oh, I have to go back and take some test at college. You go with my friends. So she's off in a strange country with people she doesn't know and just proceeds to freak out more and more. Um, not a movie you want to watch if you like real concrete answers and real endings. Okay. No. Um, I don't know if I could ever recommend it, but I enjoyed it. Well, good. Okay. <laughs> Anything else? Uh, a bunch of episodes of Emergency. Yeah. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> there you go. I mean, you know, the 70s was kind of the uh, golden age of formulated American television. I mean, you Oh, knew, it so is, yeah. You knew what you were getting every single week. Uh huh. Yeah. I don't know if it's any better now, but at least uh, back then you knew what was going to happen on Emergency or SWAT or Chips or any of those shows. You pretty, yeah. pretty much knew. So. Yeah. You you could write after you've watched two episodes, you could write the third episode. Yeah, absolutely. Well, for me, um, we got a few more uh, episodes into Silicon Valley. And I really do enjoy uh, this particular series because I'm not a techie person, um, but I understand enough about it to know, you know, why the coders would be different personalities than the engineers and why executives probably don't know much about anything as far as the product that they're trying to make or the company that they're trying to form. So it's pretty funny. It's Mike Judge's humor kind of through and through. So if you like Office Space or any yeah. of, 
you know, idiocracy or any of that stuff that Mike Judge has created or helped create, then this is definitely uh, something that works for you. Um, I texted my friend Kevin, who I went to college with, and I said, hey, Kevin, which character in Silicon Valley are you most like? And he he's a graphic artist for the EPA. And he gets back to me and he goes, big head, because they keep giving me money, but I feel like I don't know anything. <laughs> so I said, no, you're Guilfoyle. His, his demeanor, that's Kevin. You know, like uh, if Guilfoyle had a uh, natural curl to his hair, that would, that's just Kevin. So uh, I enjoyed that. And I, and I guess I'm probably closest to Ehrlich Bachman, you know, because I sometimes talk when I don't know what the fuck I'm talking about. So ah. <laughs> I used to have more clever facial hair than I do now, but, uh, you know, anyway, uh, so Silicon Valley is just, it's been great. I feel like when I get to the end of it, I'm going to just want to watch it over again. Um, I think it just ends at five seasons. So I've got however many. Yeah, yeah, however many they did for that season, plus what's left of season four. Um, other than that, uh, in keeping with this um, living in the apocalypse that we're doing uh, in, in our real lives, I don't want to get too into like watching a bunch of virus stuff. Uh, but um, The Last Man on Earth, I watched that. It was colorized. Um, I believe it was originally shot in black and white. It's based, yeah. on, it's based on I Am Legend, the book. And then they made I Am Legend with Will Smith later on. But this feels more plausible, you know, but I don't know. They're vampires. How plausible do you need it to be? Uh, I, re I really enjoyed it because he's going through his day-to-day -day life. And uh, it's just really weird. And the fact that the vampires all can speak. Uh <coughs> And, and they're just sort of uh, monotone and weird. But, uh, yeah, it's it's Vincent Price being very Vincent Pricey. I enjoyed it a lot. Uh, for anyone who doesn't know, basically, as far as this guy knows, he's the last man on Earth. Uh, he will kill the vampires and then drag their bodies to the, um, I guess, the some big pit somewhere? Yeah, it's the city yeah. dump. It's the city dump? Okay. And uh, they've, they've had a fire going from the original city cleaning up the vampires, but then he's the last one left, so he has to still drive them out there in his station wagon and throw them over the bluff and chuck some gas in after them, and there they go. And then through some flashbacks, you learn that, of course, some of the people beating on his door are uh, family members or friends. And so that uh, adds a little twist to it, and I enjoyed that. Uh but uh, overall, I would say I don't want to say too much about it in case the listeners haven't seen it. I mean, I don't feel like I had seen it. If I did, I was a kid and I don't remember anything of it. But it's from uh, 1964. It is 86 minutes long, so it's within the Barnes limit. And uh, that one was that one was cool. I enjoyed that. Um, it didn't need to the be siege, colorized. Siege, the huh? uh, siege scenes are very uh, Romero. Yes. Yeah, I think Romero definitely borrowed a little of this vibe, for sure. Mm -hmm. Between this and um, uh, Carnival, Carnival of Souls. Yeah, Carnival of Souls. Wow. I'm, I'm just spacing out. because I'll tell you why I'm spacing out, because I just clicked over to uh, something else on my screen. 
Um, so yeah, it, I think Romero definitely borrowed from last man on earth and carnival of souls. Uh, now let the corpses tan. Thank you, Jolien, for giving me the most confusing thing I've stuck in my eye holes <laughs> since Mandy. <laughs> Yeah, that's a good comparison. Yeah, it's like uh, being run over by a spaghetti western mixed mixed with uh, something Tarantino esque. I, I I mean Tarantino borrows a lot from spaghetti westerns, so that's probably uh, redundant to say that. But it feels like these folks love spaghetti westerns and Tarantino. Mm-hmm. And uh, so it's a French film directed by um, Helene Catet. And Bruno Forzani, uh, Forzani, I'm sorry, Bruno Forzani, and uh, this is um, uh, based on a story or a book. I'm not sure which, which is called. Let basically the the translation is "Let the Corpses Tan." Um, I think it was a book. Yeah, it, it, from the looks of it on this page, it it, it was a book, and uh, this came out in. Uh, 2017 um, in France and 2018 in Belgium. And then we finally got it at some point, 92 minutes, but it's forgivable. Will like they, they, you know, yeah. you, you saw it. I saw it. I really liked it. Yeah. I, I feel like I need to watch it again, but it, uh, it was nominated for a, uh, a bunch of the Magritte awards, which I think is pretty funny. I, I assume that, uh, that the awards are named after the painter, the surrealist painter, uh, nominated for four awards. Um, well, seven awards and it won three of them. So that was pretty cool. Um, no, I'm sorry. It was eight awards and it won three of them. So five nominations that didn't win, but, uh, best cinematography, best production design and best sound were the ones that they won. So that was pretty cool. And then uh, the um, Locarno Festival and the Warsaw Film Festival, um, it was nominated for uh, the Piazza Grande Award and the Free Spirit Award, respectively, and did not win. But this is crazy. It's a lot of fun. Anybody who likes like the constant action and the weird um, stepping back <coughs> through time, I guess, like memento sort of. Could you, yeah. could you say that that's the closest one that it's doing? I mean, it's way more like Memento than it is Pulp Fiction. As far, yeah. as, as, far as how the, how it moves through time, kind of backward. Yeah, I didn't, I, I wasn't sure what they were doing with that when it started because they show you a clock and then you see that it's counting back down. And you're like, what? What is going on? But yeah. the whole movie's that way. You're like, what's going on? <laughs> Who are these people? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah they was like a a live action uh, French comic or something. Yeah, it was yeah. it was yeah. bizarre. Some of those I've read in English and they still don't make any sense. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I didn't I didn't mind just leaving the subtitles go and you know just sort of uh, assuming that they translated as closely as they could. Um, yeah. And uh, last but not least, other other than Day of the Triffids, um, I did start Andromeda Strain. Um, about a half hour into it, I thought I was wide awake and had a, another hour or two left in me, and I didn't. 
I suddenly got very tired and said, all right, enough already. Um, I should tell the listeners how fun it was that I ventured out in the world to, uh, to do a drive-by at Jolien's house and do a, do a swap for uh, rubber, glo- rubber gloves and a uh, roll of toilet paper for some movies, which included Andromeda Strain. Uh, that was fun. I, I haven't driven anywhere that far in a while, but uh, the entire six miles or whatever it is. But uh, yeah, man, we're we're altering our behavior a lot in the apocalypse, aren't we? Yeah, I've, I've seen some people referring to it as the snap. <laughs> the snap <laughs> from uh, the Avengers movies. Yeah, yeah. I don't think I know the reference. I don't think I've seen that particular one. It's oh, where, uh, of his fingers. Oh. And people have taken out the circulation for five years. Oh. Yeah. Well, that's pretty cool. I saw today Virginia shut down till June 10th. Huh. The whole state of Virginia? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. June 10th. I skipped the news today. Um, my friend Brian messaged me that uh, for some who knows why reason, Trump had uh, the the My Pillow guy at the podium in, uh-huh. the, in the Rose Garden. And yeah, he wants him to run for office. Jeez, really? Because he's so qualified. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, he was a crack addict, so so he'll fit right in. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, he's burned out all the sensible parts of his brain. I don't want to get into politics, but uh, that that was that was just another bizarro world occurrence that just I couldn't wrap my brain around it. And I I just did a quick search to see, you know, did he have one of his damn pillows in his hand? But he didn't. Oh, that's too bad. Yeah. So he's kind of like Linus, you know, just always dragging one of those pillows around instead of a blanket. Um, but I was thinking about. Friend- Go ahead. I had a friend on Facebook who would post, I mean, he was making them up, but dreams he had about the, uh, my pillow guy trying to smother him. <laughs> I like so that. they have these long posts that you would, you would not see it coming. I mean, you did after a while, obviously, but that was a whole joke was the end was like the, my pillow guy was trying to smother him. Oh God. <laughs> yeah. I, I was thinking about how we all kind of have this, this general sense of stress about, you know, if we're not sick, then we're okay. But if we are sick, we could die. And if we're okay, we could get sick later and die. So we're all, we're all kind of like uh, living with this uncertainty about our own mortality. And that, that's stressful. I think it, even if it's not apparent to you, I think in your dreams or in the back of your mind, it's, it's lurking. But yeah, I don't know, man. Uh, but dying financially is more of a possibility, I think, for each and every one of us. Um, oh yeah. The upside, though, is that creditors are are seeming to be pretty receptive to, you know, just telling you, "All right, we're going to delay your car payment a few months. You still owe it later, and you'll pay for the interest of those few months. But okay, we, we won't charge yeah. you your next payment for a few months." So a lot of that kind of stuff's going on. Um, We've sold a few of the coloring books so far. Oh, good. Yeah. And um, 
we've been sewing masks still. I think. Yeah. I think I told you guys that last show maybe, but uh, yeah, we're making a lot of uh, a lot of masks with a pocket for like a HEPA filter or a surgical sheet or whatever it is that you can insert in it to make you more more safe, I guess. But uh, yeah, it, it's it's a full time job all of a sudden. So I'm laid off, but I'm working all day. Oh, okay. Will, did you see that Stephen Bissett has plugged the book? Oh no, I have to. I I'm not on Facebook anymore, so I have to look. Oh, okay. Yeah. You, you still have an account, though. I still have an account. I just don't check it. Okay. But, uh, I figured maybe one day I'll go back, but. Uh, probably not. No, it's a toxic hellscape most of the time. But yeah, I just didn't handle it anymore. Yeah, it's not easy. So, um, Jolian, do you want to tell us about uh, your your first experience with Day of the Triffids? Do you remember the uh, first time you saw it? First, well, I read the novel a few times. I uh, loved John Wyndham. Mm-hmm. Uh, didn't see the film for quite a while. I remember seeing it. Uh, advertised as being on late night TV in Britain when I was a child, but I wasn't old enough to stop and watch it. But it looked very exciting. Yeah. And yeah. I remember that, that night because um, before it, they were going to show a Dolly Parton concert. <laughs> and uh, didn't know who she was, but I, I told my parents, oh, she's really good. I want to watch the Dolly Parton concert. <laughs> if I could stay up for that, then I could watch the Day of the Triffids afterwards. Yeah, maybe that really exciting. Yeah, maybe they would fall asleep and you could just keep watching. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so that's how you started your uh, your life as a Dolly Parton fan. <laughs> no, they wouldn't let me do it. So, oh, I was packed up. Well, that's too <laughs> but, bad. Yeah, did did see it eventually. Yeah. So eventually they show it on an afternoon. Yeah, I think I saw it on video in Japan, actually. It's not really come out properly in the West uh, on disc. Um, I'm not sure why. It looks like it was like some kind of independent deal uh, studio. Um, So no one, one, maybe the ownership is up in the air right now. Yeah. 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 Uh, I don't know why it's it's not coming out properly because I, I think it should. Yeah, yeah it should. It didn't look too bad on on Prime, right? Um, but it could use a, a nice restoration on a disc. Yeah, for sure. So. Well, it's. Uh, I think I first saw this movie when I was in about third grade and thought it was great. Yeah, where did uh, you just see it on local television? I, it, Either local television or maybe we rented it. I'm not sure. I don't remember. But I remember my dad was like, oh, you've got to watch this movie. And I ended up liking it. And I've watched it several times since then, though I hadn't seen it in probably 20 years now. Yeah, it's it's crazy. Like this, I feel like this is the first time I saw it. Although there's a good chance that it might have shown on one of the Creature Features shows growing up you know we had we had a lot of movies that we just sort of we were playing with legos or planet of the apes action figures or something while the movies were on you know if uh, yeah if there were too many adults talking for too long then you know we're we're starting to make stuff out of legos 
yeah. <laughs> so there's a good there's a good chance that that I've seen yeah, and you do forget movies too, but um there's a good chance I've seen some things and didn't know. And this could be one of them, but I don't remember seeing it. And so this was pretty cool. I enjoyed it. Um, it had that uh, that um, made from lumber and carpet look to uh, to the monsters, but that doesn't that doesn't. Uh, I mean, it took a lot of effort, clearly, but that doesn't take away from it for me. That actually adds a layer of charm, you know. Yeah. Like they only yeah, had definitely. so much stuff at their disposal back then, so they uh, they did what they could, and it. Even though the the motions, you know, the movements don't necessarily look lifelike, you know, like there's a hedge in the foreground, so you don't see the the person crawling along with a with a dolly moving it. But it's okay. Yeah. It's 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 totally cool. Um, Julian, were you surprised by the special effects when you first saw it, considering that you were an adult? Uh, well, seeing it recently. Um, I think some of the composite work is still very good. Yeah. Um, impressive. Uh, I, there's a couple of things I wish they hadn't shown, which they didn't need to show, like the plane crash. Uh, uh, that, uh, they, they just didn't need to show that, and it wasn't very, very well done. Right. Um, it should be more like the train crash, you know, more suggestion. Yeah, but, uh, that was all, all you needed was the, uh, the noises and, and then seeing smoke afterwards. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, but the, uh, the actual Triffids, they, they were kind of, um, made me think of the Daleks. Yeah. Um, <laughs> being wheeled around. But, um, uh, I like that, that arm it uses to pu- pull itself along. Yeah. And, uh, uh, I, I like that they're, they're mostly kept, uh, you don't really get a clear look at them for most of the time. Um, uh, yeah, and, and there's there's a later movie called uh, Navy versus the Night Monsters where there's there's more like tree like monsters, and uh, it, I think the Triffids are better than those. Wow! But, uh, <laughs> uh, I think the best uh, the best uh, version of this story is the uh, 1980 um, uh, BBC TV version. Oh, okay. Uh, there, there was more a recent one like a couple of years ago with Eddie Izzard in it, which I've not seen. Wow, really? Where they have, uh, you know, a lot of it's CGI. Um, And I think they're working on another one. But, um, uh, yeah, but uh, I I enjoyed this one. So we see on on Wikipedia, it says, the Day of the Triffids TV series was in 81. The Night of the Triffids was a sequel... um, to uh, Wyndham's book by Simon Clark. And then the Day of the Triffids TV miniseries was 2009. But it said that in 2014, it was announced another remake was planned and that would be directed by Mike Newell. So I guess that didn't happen, that latest one? Yeah. 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 Development hell. Yeah. Yeah, that's the kind of thing that happens, I guess. You know, they things get caught up with the rights or uh, somebody switches, uh, you know, some studio switches executives and then all of a sudden somebody doesn't want to put the money in it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's happened a bunch. So who knows what it could be. But, um, yeah, Mike Newell, he's your Harry Potter and Goblet of Fire guy. So 
but then also Harry who? Oh, just some kid with glasses. You wouldn't know him. Uh, let's see. He did uh, four weddings and a funeral. And uh, uh, let's see. Harry Potter and the four weddings and a funeral. <laughs> yeah, that's when it got really dark for a couple of movies there. <laughs> Let's see. Uh, I'm, I'm looking to see if there's any other ones that people would have seen that he directed. Um, I mean, as far as our listeners. I mean, I don't know that our listeners would be watching uh, Mona Lisa Smile, whatever that is. But he uh, was executive producer on some stuff you might have seen, like uh, 200 Cigarettes. Um, uh, let's see. High Fidelity with John Cusack. And um, Enchanted Kingdom 3D. So there's some. Oh of, yeah. Yeah. So there's some of his other stuff. So uh, yeah. Anyway. So if they don't remake it, that's okay. You don't have to. Just because you can doesn't mean you should. <laughs> I mean, you can always just enjoy the original. But I think we've talked about this on the show before. Like, it's okay to remake Invasion of the Body Snatchers every. 15 or 20 years, you know, yeah. Does, doesn't take away from any of the past iterations. You know, I, th- I think it's, uh, you can make it relevant to whatever time you remake it in. Yeah. So, yeah. Definitely. It's a compelling story. Yeah. Yeah. There's always other new things people could read into it, whether it's the communists or the terrorists or what have you, you know, there's always some, some subtext that people can imagine into it or that could be woven into it. So there is that. But uh, what do you think Day of the Triffids is trying to tell us? Other than the fact that the guy at the beginning of the movie is a raging alcoholic. <laughs> He's annoyed that he could only get one bottle of scotch a week. And it's oh, brought... the, the guy in the lighthouse? Yeah. Yeah, that was great. <laughs> the Navy guy. They were in real quarantine. Stuck yeah. in that lighthouse. Yeah. yeah, it's a safe place to be. But uh, something about lighthouses makes people drink. Yeah. Or maybe it's isolation. And then you got the and famous, uh, you got the famous Jeanette Scott. Yeah. As as mentioned in Rocky Horror. Oh yeah, yeah the uh, <laughs> the lyrics from uh, science fiction double feature. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and I here, here's the lyric. And I got and I really got hot when I saw Jeanette Scott fight a triffid that spits poison and kills. <laughs> I always thought the lyrics to that song were great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's such it, for any listeners who haven't seen Rocky Horror Picture Show. I don't understand how you haven't, but you should watch it. Hopefully, someday with an audience, uh, not yeah. not zoomed in, but uh, actually in a movie theater. It's really cool. Yeah, it's great. I, I, I enjoy that stuff, but it feels like there's two movies going on, which intercut and they don't quite meet up. So you've got the one that starts fairly close to the book and then goes off in its own direction. You know, it goes over to France and, and so on. Um, yeah. And then plot B is the lighthouse couple. And yeah. that feels more like it's a 50s uh, science fiction where the scientists figure out how to defeat the monsters with some magic, like a magic bullet, as he says in the movie. Right. Yeah. Um, but so they never, they never connect with the, uh, no. with the other guy. Yeah. I felt that 
this time too it was like these are two separate movies you know you you would think in a in a tighter script they would have that information of killing them with salt water somehow they transmit it to the the first guy bill mason and uh yeah it never happens so it's a little a little strange but but you know who did pick up on that information is m night Shyamalan. Ooh, yeah, you're right. With signs? Yeah. Yeah, it's funny. I was thinking that that uh, the ending, I, I was like, oh, are you kidding me? Salt water dissolves them for real? And uh, yeah. you're on a planet with a lot of salt and a lot of water and a lot of salt water? <laughs> um, why are you here? I mean, do, do they... The Triffids didn't plan. No. Coming here. No, probably not. Did it say expressly how they ended up here? Uh, they're brought in on a meteorite in, in the movie. That, that was the beginning of it? Yeah, yeah where every, that made everyone blind. Oh, yeah, yeah, the, oh, the, it, the flashing lights, that's right. Yeah, the, the Triffids land on a previous meteorite shower. They've been here a few years, and we've kind of domesticated them, and so we've grown them everywhere, um, and we're raising them Um for various purposes, and uh, uh, but then there's this later meteor shower which blinds everyone. But then, oh, okay. but it activates them. Yeah, well, it lets them uh, take over because you know everyone's blind to their prey. Um, you know they they they're slow moving enough to be caught. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That that was pretty pretty interesting uh, concept. I, I don't know. If anything before that had kind of gone down that road, had it? Of of what? Of the um of the, everybody being blind? No, no, the meteor shower thing. Oh. Something I'm so. sure it's something being it's a pretty old road. It seems like I, I don't remember anything previous to this though, where it it activates something or brings something in. I mean you do see things crash land. But those are right. You've, you've you've had things that landed in meteors like the blob. Yeah, uh, that was that was fifty eight, uh, and then the Triffids novel was fifty four. Right. Um, like the earliest um, like apocalypse movies uh, were uh, uh, more often than not it was a comet. Right. Um, so there was one called the Comet in nineteen ten. Oh wow! And there was a couple in. Uh- uh, a couple in 1916, but uh, it, yeah, um, then H.G. Wells did uh, in the days of the comet, and then of course later on in the 80s we got Night of the Comet. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> which uh, I think it's really weird because people had to back then imagine what would it be like if everyone were gone from L.A. What would it be like? And then you get all these scenes of L.A. or you know, whatever movie, whatever city you want to talk about. Now you can just look at these pictures of, of uh, like Times Square in New York and there's no one on the street. Like a reporter could be out there talking about it and then they'll, uh, you know, they'll have one person walk through the frame and it's somebody wearing a mask who's going for a walk. <laughs> and uh, yeah, that's that, that's reality now. But uh, yeah, um, Night of the Comet. Let me... Uh, Let's see. Let me pull that up and see. I think I want to say that was 86. Of course, I'm wrong. I believe so. 
I'm wrong about this stuff a lot, so it's good to look it up. Uh, 84. Oh. Okay. So, uh, yeah. Came out in November of 84. It uh, Its budget was $3 million and it made $14.4 million U.S. So I don't know what it made abroad, but... Uh, but Why isn't there Night of the Comets too? Yeah, exactly. What's the deal? Like, how about a remake? Why don't we just remake everything? Is, I think there is one on the way, isn't there? Is there? Let me look. Um, uh, remake. In uh, October 2018, Orion Pictures hired Roxanne Benjamin to write a sci-fi horror remake. As of April 2019, Benjamin confirmed she had submitted her script on the remake. So we're coming up on almost a year ago that she submitted her script. So maybe we'll get that. It's it's really a matter of uh, <laughs> will it be good? Mm-hmm. I mean, it wouldn't. Did you did you start watching um, uh, the World of the Flesh and the Devil? Not yet. That's that's coming up right after Andromeda Strain. So yeah. with without spoiling it for me. Um, well, that, that's another one where it, it, uh, there's early scenes where uh, there's a lone figure wandering around an abandoned city. Okay, yeah. Um, I think that was the biggest budget one of those to, at that point, late 50s, yeah. 59. Um, and then there's, there was a, a Paris Kidor, which was 23, I think, uh, where it's like Paris is struck by something, and people wandering around. Uh, oh wow! The quiet streets, and then I also lent you uh, Deluge. Yeah. Which is, when was that? That's from the thirties. Um, I want to say it was thirty-five. Yeah. That the yeah, that's, that's big flood that hits New York, right? Yeah, yeah. So, uh, yeah, so uh, so much the world is flooded. There's only a few bits of land sticking out, so the survivors are on that. Um, it's got a very spectacular uh, flooding scene. Yeah. Which you see in several movie serials later. <laughs> I, I know. I know. Will you're thinking Waterworld, right? Yeah. There we go. One of your favorites. Uh, you know Hayao Miyazaki. He did a series called uh, Future Boy Conan, um, which is about a world which is flooded, and people have to get about on these homemade planes and things. Um, I don't think that's come out in the West yet, but it's really good. Uh, it was like a, a TV series. Oh, okay. So, do you guys do you guys feel like these movies are um, kind of like a good tension release to watch this stuff, or is it sort of like rubbing it in, or other feelings about this kind of stuff? Uh, I don't know. I so kind of put put things in perspective a bit because. Uh, uh, what we're in now is nowhere near as bad. Yeah. No. Right. Uh, and we're not, this isn't even the worst epidemic in North America in history. Right. No. No, like uh, the, the, the Spanish flu is killing people at a faster rate. Yep. In, uh, and then, then the uh, Native Americans could tell you what disease did to them. Yeah. 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 Smallpox uh, and all that. And same same thing with the Aztecs, right? 
yeah, so it it could always be worse, I guess. Yeah, way worse. Yeah, um, I I feel like so far for uh, none of our three households to be sick and possibly dying is uh, is is kind of a win so far. But uh, yeah, on an apocalypse, we can still order an Indian takeaway. That's uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what we did. Yeah, <laughs> when you have uh, when you have to take your chances uh, to go out in the world versus pay someone else to take their chances to bring the world to you, well, you know, what's a few bucks for a tip? Yeah. <laughs> Just leave it on the porch. <laughs> Get out of here. <laughs> yeah. So, um, yeah, I, the biggest complaint I'm hearing from people is that they're bored or that they All have right. nothing to do. And I don't know what's wrong with them. Well, they, they didn't grow up as a latchkey kid, did they? I guess not. No. They're not, they're not nerds. Right. No. <laughs> well, people who are not creative people probably are having a, a somewhat difficult time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, you know, like if you were, for example, a stay-at-home mom and then you were told to stay at home, your life won't have changed a lot. Mm-hmm. Other than worrying that, you know, somebody who is off to their job might bring home an illness. But otherwise, there are people who, who it's, you know, who've already been working from home. Yeah. Uh, so maybe just being told you can't go out would be the biggest change. But, uh, yeah. I don't think it's hurt the business of the liquor stores or the weed, <laughs> or the weed dispensaries. Weed. <laughs> because when, um, when uh, Mayor Hancock first announced that we were going to be doing the um, stay-at-home order, and he said, no, no, just essential businesses, not the liquor stores, not the weed dispensaries, except for the medicinal ones. Two yeah. hours later, he had to turn around and say, okay, 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 <laughs> God, you guys, really? Yeah, what what city are you mayor of? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Fantasyland? <laughs> because here we drink and smoke, apparently. <laughs> But uh, yeah, it's yeah. it's smart that if you're gonna go, don't buy small amounts. You know, if 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 there's a particular wine or beer that you like, you know, maybe buy two weeks worth or more. And if you like yeah. if you like the weed, buy an ounce or whatever it is you need. <laughs> don't go buy like a couple joints and then have to go again. It just no. doesn't make sense. But uh, yeah, the one around the corner for me. Uh as a line, they only let like one person in the building at a time. Yeah. So they line outside. Yeah. And, the, and they have those jars where you're supposed to be able to stick your face in it and smell. I'm sure that's done. Oh yeah. I'm sure all that's done. Yeah. Cause you can't be, uh, for example, the liquor store, um, closest, well, between you and me, will. um, they would on Fridays, I think Friday afternoons, they would do like uh, samplings. Like they would, yeah. they would let some brand come in and just be like, "Hey, you want to try our rum or our wine or whatever?" And uh, yeah, yeah, they did that at Marzik too. They had wine tasting and they shut that down before anything else. Yeah, that was real early. Yeah, it's a smart, <laughs> it's a smart move because anytime that people are touching things with their hands and handing it to other people who can stick it in their mouth. And well, that's going to probably not end well. Yeah. So here, stick this in your mouth. 
<laughs> Don't ever trust anyone who says that. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, so back to the Triffids. Uh, uh, so there's um, so there's the uh, the saltwater, the, the seawater ending. Um, did you feel ripped off the first time you watched it? Or did you, were you okay? No. You were okay with the ending? Yeah. So you, so you I mean, it made sense with salt water and plants. I mean, they wouldn't dissolve, but but they would clearly have... they could live. Yeah. You know, the aliens and, and signs was silly because you assume they came here and would have done a little bit of research. Or noticed flying in that, hey, look, a bunch of this planet's made of water. <clears throat> yeah. So, yeah. And that was any water that touched them, I think. It wasn't just salt water. Yeah. Do you remember that um, that movie Evolution that had David Duchovny in it? And the, Vaguely. The thing that killed them was dandruff shampoo. Because uh, it had like I don't remember that. it had like the pyethrone py- zinc or whatever it's called. I remember being disappointed with that movie. I was too, to be honest with you. Came out and have not thought of it since. Because I think they really pushed it that it was an Ivan Reitman film and and it was going to be the new Ghostbusters. Yeah, and it had David Duchovny and then it in it. The new Ghostbusters too. Yeah, yeah, not not uh, quite what they made it out to be. No. And you get all that money and all those famous people and all those experienced writers and directors and producers, and that's what you come up with. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe it, maybe I'm being too harsh. Maybe I need to rewatch it, but I don't think so. Nah. Life's too short. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we've got all the time in the world now, supposedly. Um, yeah. And, well, I've spent more time sewing this week than I've ever sewn my whole life. But, uh, you know, that uh, outside of that, uh, yeah. I mean, by all accounts, so the house should be spotless and everything should be organized and, uh, you know, whatever. But it's not really like that. I keep thinking that too. Like I should really be cleaning the house. Like, you, you should be finishing. Real spring cleaning. You should be finishing your graphic novel. <laughs> I don't know about that. I mean, I'm not shaming you. I'm just suggesting that you got time right now. I do, but I don't know. Yeah, if we if we get the fun bucks like we're supposed to get, then at least that'll take you know smooth a few bumps and take the edge off of uh, the financial hurt. Yeah, but we'll see about that. Uh, yeah, I'm, I, I just kind of feel like if it were actual zombies, at least it would be a tangible thing you could hit with a stick. Yeah. Uh, I'll just wait till the Triffids show up. That's what I say. That's why I keep a glass of salt water near the door. <laughs> I heard someone say that in red states they were going to smear a uh, cross made out of Chick-fil-A sauce on their front door so the plague, the pestilence passes over the firstborn. <laughs> I like it. Yeah. yeah. That works. Well, we've, we finally got hold of some flour, so, uh, uh, and Emily's great at doing stuff with that, so cookies and uh, scones and stuff been coming nice. out. yeah and she's also been uh polishing her uh, home brewing skills okay uh yeah she's she's been great who'd she have to kill to get a bag of flour oh i don't ask 
couldn't connect. <laughs> the good thing about flowers, yeah, like <laughs> a flower at the King Supers. Yeah, it was like one of the first things to go, right? Yeah, yeah. First yeah. the bread, then the flour. The good thing about flour is it soaks up the blood. Uh, it's easy to hide the crime scene. Yeah. Although last time I went to the store this past uh, Friday, I think uh, it was fairly well stocked. Yeah, yeah. You know, so hopefully people aren't hoarding as much now. Uh, yeah, uh, I've talked to my parents, and they say like uh, panic seems to be have peaked because people have realized that yeah, we've still got stuff. Yeah. We're not going to have it 100%, but, you know, most stuff is still there. Yeah, the supply chain is not cut off. I mean, it's still happening. Yeah, there's there's a lot of stuff in our cupboards and freezers, I'm sure, that we don't want that uh, we could still cook if it got desperate. But I kind of find myself not wanting to. Yeah, no. (laughs) I don't want to make a bunch of beans. (laughs) <laughs> you know there's got to be not yet anyway no no that's that's for when they're the supplies are cut off then you'll find yourself eating beans just like but, but one of the other things uh as uh, probably might even be relevant to this podcast is um uh the the movie uh distribution system is radically different yeah um, so they're, they're putting first run movies on you know you can watch them online right now right mm-hmm. um and uh, in in China, where they're you know they're they're trying to get back to normal, they're uh, offering um, like free days uh, at the theaters, um, just to get people back into the habit of going yeah, back yeah. to cinemas, because um, they're worried about what will happen afterwards. So are, are they at a point yeah. now? I, I haven't watched the news on this. Are they at a point now where they haven't had any new cases of the virus in a it's, long enough uh, time? It's definitely peaked. Uh, Italy it slowed down. Um, China, even in Wuhan, they're getting back outside. Hmm. Um, but you can't trust the information that's coming out there, unfortunately. No. Yeah, problem. Um, and where can you? But um, Well, yeah, our president. <laughs> yeah. And if, and Want if, of truthfulness. Yeah. And, uh, you know, with the... With the my pillow guy by his side. Maybe oh, kid, yeah. maybe kid rock could help out. You know? Ooh. Well, did you hear he asked Alex Rodriguez for his advice? A rod, the baseball player. Yes. Really? Because somebody, somebody made a metaphor about needing Tom Brady as basically, we need a leader. We need somebody who can run this thing. And he didn't catch that. It was a metaphor. So he made some dumbass comment about Tom Brady, but then, and then he turned around and called A Rod, hmm. who's a famous epidemiologist, I suppose. <laughs> right. He suggested he suggested steroids. <laughs> yeah, that works. Um, yeah. Wow. So, um, do you guys feel like we should stay away from the virus stuff for the for the uh, next movie, or should we just? Uh- Go charging right, into I, it. I watched a Japanese movie called Virus, which came out 40 years ago. It's 40th anniversary. Um, have you heard of that one? No. I don't think so. 
uh, uh, so this, so 1980s is uh, directed by Kenji Fukasaku, who did uh, some really good movies uh, like the uh, Battles Without Honor and Humanity gangster series. Okay, yeah. Uh oh. I'm not hearing Jolian. Yeah, we've lost him. I don't see anything at the top of the screen saying so. But uh, yeah, I, I, I kind of wonder, should we avoid the the virus stuff or do you think we should just charge into it? I don't know. In fact, let me... I really know. Let me pull is it up... too soon? Well, it, I, I don't know. Is, it's, is it too during? <laughs> you know? Too during, yes. <clears throat> Let's see... I'm going to look up that movie while we're waiting for him to come back or not. All right. I'm also going to check and see if I have any missed calls. No missed calls. Okay. Um, virus, 1980, sci-fi drama, two hours, 36 minutes. Too long. It's got George Kennedy and Chuck Connors in it. Oh, man. It's got Bo Svensson in it, Robert Vaughn, oh. Olivia Hussey, that Hussey. Uh, okay. Let's see. Um, the translation is actually day of resurrection, which is interesting. It's a, it's a, um, 1980 Japanese post-apocalyptic science fiction movie. Um, based on Komatsu's eponymous novel. Um, an ensemble cast. Let's see. Well, um, in 1982, a shady transaction is occurring between an East German scientist, Dr. Krauss, and a group of Americans involving a substance known as MM88, or MM88. I'm not sure how you're supposed to say that. MM88 is a deadly virus. MM88. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Spitting rhymes. <laughs> um, uh, it's created accidentally by an American uh, geneticist that amplifies the potency of any other virus or bacterium it comes in contact with. Uh, the Americans recover the virus sample, which was stolen from a lab in the U.S. the year before, but the virus is accidentally released on the plane after uh, the plane transporting it after it crashes, creating a pandemic initially known as the Italian flu. Hmm. Oh, shit. Yeah. Uh, well, it goes on to tell you more than we should say in case we do talk about this movie. Um, so yeah, uh, I would say, oh, it, it was distributed by Toho. So they got those Godzilla bucks. Godzilla bucks. Yeah. Um, I like that it says, see also 12 monkeys, contagion and outbreak. Ooh. Yeah. So maybe. Um, yeah, I, I mean, maybe we should just go charging into the contagions and the, and the viruses. I mean, honestly, is this what people want to talk about right now? Or, I don't know. Or some killer clowns. I don't know. Killer clowns. Gene votes virus from the background here. Okay. I mean, sure. Our listeners are going to want to, you know, stave off the boredom one way or another. They, they could buy our coloring book. 
Yes. Or if this goes on long enough, your graphic novel about the Black Dahlia. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> it's a coloring book, too. You know, you could color any book you want. No one's, exactly. No one's stopping you. Um, any book is a coloring book if you have crayons. Yeah. Well, it looks like we've probably lost Jolien. So do you think we should just, All right. just wrap it up? And, uh, and I think we told them enough about the movie for not giving it away. Yeah. All right. Well, I'll, uh, I'll call him or message him and just tell him we're going to do some, vi- we're going to do some virus movies, in- including, okay. including that one, if we can get a hold of it. Okay. And I'll check prime and Tubi and all the usual suspects. Shutter, yeah. Shutter might have it. You never know. All right. Well, cool, man. All right. Well, let's, uh, let's call it a show and, uh, do this again in a week. Okay. Watch out for the Triffids. And thank you for listening.